This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian, as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. So welcome, Eve. Thank you. You're well, welcome. Me. You're welcome. So, yeah. shall I introduce myself? All yes. you, all you, you Okay, bet. so my name is uh, Eve Gravel. I've been living here in Calgary for just over 15 years now. But uh, originally from Montreal, uh, traveled a little bit, lived in Vancouver too mm-hmm. for a few years, Kelowna, but uh, I think uh, for now Calgary, uh, probably going to be my home for yeah. the unforeseeable, unforeseeable future. And uh, I've been uh, working a little bit more than usual on my songwriting in the last uh, couple of years. Mm-hmm. And that has culminated into an album that I just finished recording uh, yesterday. Oh, you just finished recording Yes, it. I did the bulk of it uh, in a two-week block, uh, late March, yeah. and going back a couple of times for some touch-up. And yesterday was the last time. So wow. everything is in there. We just need to do the editing mm-hmm. or, you know, all the last minute changes kind of thing so that should be out um in september so is that the culmination of two years of work uh no because that's my first album uh pretty much of all the songs Mm -hmm. i had all the songs that i've ever written in your life that's always the advantage of your first album yeah pretty much of all the material but there's always been only maybe a dozen songs Mm -hmm. that i felt confident to put out there and you know um you have to think of the arrangement and what else you would do with this song mm-hmm. and the kind of sound i wanted some song were maybe not fitting uh too well on that album and then we came down to nine and um in the last couple of years it's been more like deciding which song i want mm-hmm. and when i say in the last two years most of the song were already written but it's more the arrangement yeah um my style, I think once the album come out, people will tell me what it is. Because when I started it, <laughs> I did not have any, um, I mean, the producer of a lot of, uh, kind of have a big influence. That's mm-hmm. why I choose my producer uh, carefully. His name, by the way, is Paul Zacharias. Okay. And we did that in uh, the lovely town of Rosebud, Rosebud, Alberta. Alberta. Yes. And I can I tell you the story how it ended up there but just to finish my thought there mm-hmm. so yeah so uh, nine songs been working on the arrangement and um the fiddle has always been part of my song uh, sound so obviously a bit folksy a little bit more acoustic but um when you have the chance to go in studio and record an album mm-hmm. you want to take advantage of the whole 
a whole band. So mm. there was about, uh, there was at least nine people that were wow. involved. Um, even the talent, which is a band or project, I don't typically call it a band because it's, uh, it's mostly me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that relies on the talent of other people. And that's how this whole even the talent thing started. Really? I just wanted to do the songwriting. Yeah. Um, as people will hear on the album, uh, singing is not my forte. I'm not a, a voice person. I have no aspiration to be a great singer. Mm. So I wanted to write the song and find people to play them, to sing them. But um, when you don't have the credentials to do that, it's a little bit hard to approach people say, do you want to sing my song? They're like... Mm-hmm. And you are? <laughs> so, <laughs> fair enough. you know, going to open mics and stuff like that, obviously I started singing my own song and then kind of by default became the singer. So, hence the name Even the Talent because uh, I always rely on people that are, like to say, more talented as far as from the technical mm-hmm. aspect. So that's how Even the Talent um, came about maybe... Right Three, four years ago, the project Even the Talent started. The first show was a little show at Cafe Koi, not too far from here. Okay. And um, and then it's it's a collaborative process. When mm-hmm. I say it's not a band, I, there's four or five people that kind of uh, that I play quite often with. Mm-hmm. But uh, sometime I'll do a little show. With the, it's going to be a trumpet. Sometimes the trumpet's not going to be there. It's going to be the fiddle. Mm-hmm. So that's why the album was great because I got to have them all at the same, well, not at the same time, but yeah. all in one project. Yeah. So I had a lot of people to that I could cherry pick as far as, okay, I want I want uh, kind of a cello song. Well, I know someone who can do that. Mm-hmm. I know I want more fiddle. She's been uh, with me for quite some time. So it's been interesting. Mm-hmm. I haven't myself heard the final product. Uh, when you do recording, you always kind of hear little bits, parts. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday, I was there. We were just doing one chorus. So that's on the loop. So I haven't heard a full thing um, beginning to end, except the one song, which I will be putting out there tonight. Nice. Yeah. The song is called Easy. And mm-hmm. uh, it's one of the first song really, that I started to add layers to and uh, when this project took life I added the fiddle and I added bass and all Mm -hmm. that so kind of fitting that it's the first song coming out Mm -hmm. because most people that have been to open mics with me or some little shows and cafe knows that that was my go-to song for Mm -hmm. some time being my first song with real arrangements and everything yeah so First it's a good song. song too. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's going out tonight, and uh, then September twentieth is when the uh, album's going to be released. Okay, cool. Maybe a second single, a few weeks before. We'll yeah. see how things go. Maybe right another. I would like maybe to give people a little taste of how it ranges. Things ranges on the album from what people could call. I'd like to say folk. Some people would always say, maybe say country. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big country fan, so I prefer to say folk. Mm-hmm. But uh, And then there's other songs that are definitely more borderline punk, borderline yeah. uh, indie. So a nice mixture. Nice mixture. But again, not intentional. Those mm-hmm. are the songs I wrote. Those are, And I talk about... About, I talked to the producer about that. Sometimes saying, should we change the song and make it more fit for the album? And is 
thought was always, this is how you wrote the song. At the time you wrote it like mm. that, that's how it's meant to be played. And when you add the instruments, being that it's the same producer, there's definitely a connection between mm. all the songs. Yeah. So, But definitely a mixture of my different tastes, which also is very... Very broad. I never even gave that a consideration before, how hard it must be to like arrange the music. I mean, now it makes sense, as you said it, right? Like yeah. all the good albums are connected like that. Yeah. Right? And, and the most difficult thing quite often is what you're going to leave out. Yeah. Because you go in studio and uh, the guitar player is going to give you six solo for the same solo. Mm -hmm. And they're all good. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to let the producer kind of make a choice yeah. or... Sometimes you like the trumpet and you like the fiddle too. Maybe it gets a little too noisy. Mm -hmm. You have to drop one. So I found that the hardest thing when you do arrangement is leaving things oh, out. Wow. Because I like lots of layers. And like people yeah. will hear on the album, there's some songs that probably have at least eight or nine tracks, sometimes mm -hmm. two tracks of the same instrument on top of each other. So again, it's could be one of a lifetime i don't know if i'll ever record another album mm -hmm. so i took the opportunity while i was in studio and obviously there's a there's a, a financing aspect to being the sole um the sole uh, not manager but being that it's my project mm -hmm. the financing comes all uh, falls on my shoulders so it's uh being that might never i might never have the opportunity again i made sure that Everybody I've ever played with, whether it's a five or six show or just one show or someone that mm -hmm. I met once and we had a, one little thing at an open mic and they're pretty much um, on the album. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Yes, it's uh, it's exciting. It's um, emotionally, it's definitely a roller coaster. <laughs> I bet. Uh, you know, when I was there for two weeks, you were like really into it, and mm -hmm. I was I stayed in Rosebud, and you know that's. It's all you leave and breathe. You get up in the morning and then you go back to life and, you know, work and mm -hmm. normal routine. And then you have to go back for one weekend to do a couple of touch-ups and you have to kind of get back in that mindset, mm -hmm. which is not always obvious. But uh, I think in the end, uh, very happy with, uh, very happy cool. with the results. Right on. Very happy with the results. So what got you into music? Like what, what, uh, what about your life? Were you always interested in music? Uh, yeah, probably. I, I maybe more seriously by the time I was 10 or mm. 12, uh, everything from being from Quebec, obviously I have some, uh, interest in some French folk singing, uh, singers, and then got into the the Pink Floyds, and then once mm. you're 14, 15, and you find one of them, and then you find out that there is another one, and then another mm -hmm. one, and you get in that world. Uh, definitely Pink Floyd has an influence as far as the orchestral um, orchestral uh, quality to it, mm. and definitely. And then I met my uh, soulmate maybe when I was uh, 14 years old, which is mm. Leonard Cohen, yep. and that has never left me uh I think maybe some influences on the album. It's, mm -hmm. I, I'm always very not very careful, but I don't want to suggest that to draw any comparison, mm -hmm. but definitely in the spirit of it. Yeah. Not necessarily the style, but the spirit of, you know, my voice isn't great, but that's not 
the purpose of this mm-hmm. exercise. The purpose of this exercise is I have songs, I have something to say. Those are the skills I have. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I'm not going to do an album because my skills are not all what they could be. That's why I have other people to play the, take care of, to execute the vision that I hear mm-hmm. in my head. So definitely Leonard Cohen has been, uh, from the writing perspective, from the image perspective, from the the way he live his life, it's uh, as a novelist, as a writer, I just like everything. I just mm-hmm. like everything about the man. So definitely that's been a de- common denominator because you go through phases. I even went to some classical phases where mm-hmm. for a couple of years it was just classical, classical. And then when I was younger, you know, there was the punk, the punk days and the metal days a little bit and folk days pretty much done it all and Mm -hmm. then you reach a certain age and you realize well you don't have to pick one yeah yeah you don't have peer pressure like high school to only like one kind of music and Mm -hmm. listen to the other one in secret so (laughs) everything from electronic to classical i was Mm -hmm. again uh i was in europe uh, last weekend i just catch a excellent uh, classical show still a lot of interest in music but Mm -hmm. not from a genre perspective just as in what what uh, touches me mm-hmm. emotionally? Yeah. yeah. So most musicians I've I've known or have met, there's there's usually some catalysts along the way of their life to help kind of hone their music or like. Yeah, that was definitely a turning point. Um, I was in a uh, sixteen year relationship, and so that started when I was twenty one years old. Mm-hmm. So fast forward late third late thirties new life reevaluate your value mm-hmm. reevaluate what you want in life and mostly maybe reevaluate what part of myself have i maybe lost a little bit mm-hmm. along the way and because that's that's something that is that i find sad and definitely now with that with that knowledge when i'm in a relationship we're trying to stay conscious of mm-hmm. not losing who you really are yeah. and music was I wouldn't say necessarily music, just a creative aspect. Yeah. I don't know if it would be writing or painting or, but I always played the guitar a little bit, mm-hmm. the piano a little bit. And I just started to say, you know what, I'm very quickly when I became single, I'm going to go buy myself an $800 guitar, something mm-hmm. that it's, you know, decent, um, take it a little more seriously. And then I started trying to play with people discover the beauty that is open mic when you mm-hmm. in that kind of position it's um i think probably every musician in the world probably have some stories to tell about open mics and when it's done for them at their beginning of their career so definitely in that part of my life uh seven eight years ago um i decided i made a conscious decision to try to do something i i would i didn't know what it would be you know if it would be a band if it would be a CD or if it would just be playing with people, writing for people. But um, I had the chance to have some friends that were already more uh, ingrained in the, as mu- or well-versed as musicians. Mm-hmm. And they had songs and they're like, yeah, I have those lyrics. I don't know what to do with them. Oh, I'll take that from mm-hmm. you. Well, you don't know what to do with the song. I'll take that from you. And that gave me the confidence a little bit to be half out there. It was my music, but it wasn't my lyrics. So it wasn't, it was a little less scary. And yeah. gradually, then 
the writing became became a little more of a necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everything I write becomes a song, but um, that's all. That's that's really the catalyst as far as taking something I already had, which was music, mm-hmm. the love of music, the love for writing, and having like a second mm-hmm. second awakening, yep. if we can say it like that. And then it, after that, it was just very organic. Um, meeting people, starting to play a little more seriously. Hey, we should do this little gig. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I have four or five people. Maybe we should be more of a... That's when I, I created even the talent. And then the album was a, l- a little bit... Also, the catalyst was a little bit timing. It's mm-hmm. like, I have access to four or five of those musicians on a regular basis, more than I can borrow their talent once mm-hmm. in a while. Um, it's not it's not that easy. Um, yeah, you have to be a bit of lucky to wake up one day and have people playing for you like that mm-hmm. with you uh, with so much talent because who am I? So I don't have the name recognition. I, it was just always more uh, about creating something together, mm-hmm. collaborating, giving the people the freedom that, Hey, you're, you're playing with me, but you're not signing a life contract here. Um, I don't like rehearsal and I rarely <laughs> do them. So for people that are like to collaborate, they like that because mm-hmm. it's not like, Oh, we have to rehearse every Sunday and yeah, it's a band and we have to take decision together and you know yeah so it's more like very always been very organic and quick and Mm -hmm. here's what i hear for the violin and then she goes with it and uh, she does her Mm -hmm. own thing so it organically developed itself to a point where i'm like okay well Mm -hmm. now i've got something it would be a shame to find out in two years when I'm ready because it's kind of like having a child. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, when I'm going to be ready? Well, you're never ready. I wasn't ready to go in studio and uh, record an album with a full mm-hmm. band. I've never, I've been in studio maybe two hours in my life. Yeah. So, you know, maybe one move to Vancouver, one has kids and they're no longer available. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, hey, let's do an album. And now these people are no longer there. Yeah. So it was just organic in the sense that I felt the timing was right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, match that with some support with people that are in my life, especially my partner. Um, the support, the encouragement to, you know, mm-hmm. it's time. I feel it's time. And, and then meeting the producer and meeting the producer in um, Rosebud, also in a very organic and kind of um, um, not uh, lucky, but... Um, just by coincidence, it just felt like okay, it's time. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a fi- there's a f- financing aspect to it. It's um, you know, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you compare with other things in life. You know, when people say, "Oh, you spend that much money," and I'm like, "How much does it cost to renovate a kitchen?" Mm-hmm. So is the example I use. Probably thirty to forty thousand is the pri- the average price of mm-hmm. renovating a kitchen. Okay, you're going to die, you're going to have a nice kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. I'm going to die with that old fridge, but I'm going to have that vinyl mm-hmm. with me. And it's just, when it comes to money, and so quite often in life, it's just choices, yeah. right? When people are like, oh, I can't believe you bought this motorcycle. I can't believe you're always traveling. And you're like, yeah, but you have a big house. I don't. And yeah. So 
It's a trade off, yes. right? What's that? It's a trade off. It's a trade off. Yeah. And you know, sometimes it hurts when I sit, I mm. do, I look at my Excel spreadsheet and how much money is going out because obviously, um, people at my level or, uh, People that do albums like mm-hmm. uh, like me, there's no expectation of any money yeah. coming back. I mean, it's it's. I if I get money from any show, I always want to pay my musician first. My mm-hmm. goal is pretty much not lose money is my goal. Yeah, you know, well, you never know. But I don't even have aspiration of, you know, mm-hmm. do I want at 45 years old being traveling on a truck and going to all these little towns, you know. I, <laughs> I have a life, you know, you know, you never know. You never know what opportunity could, could come up. Yeah. But, uh, so far it's, it's just been an artistic, um, artistic, um, endeavor more than anything else. Yeah. And I very project driven. So I'm not even the kind of guy that will pick up the guitar at home and play that often. I'm just mm-hmm. project driven of starting something and finishing it. And I want to see it and vinyl Mm -hmm. and i want to do the release show and i'm just curious about sometimes people look at these things and say oh it must be complicated and how do you do it it's just you just have to do it it's not really it's not really complicated or you have i want to know where to start well i didn't know where to start Mm -hmm. too but there's resources and there's people to uh can help you along the way and there's the trying to get grants which are extremely hard to get. You're talking to the converted in here, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably, hard. you know, I spend like you know hundreds of dollars paying people to help me with that, mm-hmm. and I would probably say for this album, I probably spent at least eighty hours sitting down at a desk figuring out these grants, mm-hmm. and you know, it's a it's a lottery. Yeah, it's a lottery thing, but. Uh, a very interesting exercise mm-hmm. when it's all about writing about yourself and tell me why you're doing this. Tell me why we should pick you and not another person. Not mm-hmm. in these words, but the and then where does it start? And what's your inspiration? Mm-hmm. And what is it that you bring to the table? And what would be new? And then you start writing about that. And it was a very um, even though it didn't end up with any money so far, um, I don't regret the experience of the mm-hmm. introspective work yeah. that it allowed me to go through and asking some people that knows me very well to help me with the writing, with mm-hmm. the writing of the grants and say, you know, the question is about what are the three main things about my music mm-hmm. and then getting somebody's perspective, how they see you and you're like, oh, that's how people, you think people mm-hmm. see me? Yeah, yeah, that's totally you. It's not about this. It's not about that. Your music is about that. So you discover yourself through mm-hmm. um, all this grant writing um, grant writing process so yeah that's pretty much my journey so far mm-hmm. as a songwriter slash musician um, do a little bit of writing too but um, that's for the last six months that's mm-hmm. artistically that's all I can with a nine to five job and Everything else, that's uh, pretty much all I've been uh, dedicated to when yeah. it comes to my uh, artistry. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've talked, chat a little bit too about, um, to kind of tie that to what you guys are doing here and how it can help you in other aspects of your mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Um, I have some pretty, uh, since 
probably since I was born, but probably remember since the time I was seven, eight to have a major struggle with uh, anxiety. Hmm. And yes, music can be, can help the writing and all that. Yeah. But going on stage doesn't help your anxiety. It <laughs> challenges say, it. Yeah. Uh, going in studio, yeah. uh, you know, taking all this money and you're like, I'm going to record an album. I'm not mm-hmm. even sure how it's going to pan out. I'm not even sure if all the musicians going to be showing up. So it was also an interesting um, to learn to let go of something when it mm-hmm. comes to anxiety. We were talking about somebody that comes in and they give you five, six guitar solo and you have to make decisions. Yeah. A lot of thing about decision, at least for me, is uh, anxiety. At least for me, the the difficulty is sometimes to make choices or yeah. take decision or every choice seems like a bad one. Right? Every choice or every choice is not like a good a good one. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so that was also a project that really pushed me, but not in the way that I thought it would. Uh, it did trigger some anxiety, but mm-hmm. not. It was more an artistic anxiety as far as. Is the message gonna come across the mm-hmm. way I want it? Is yeah. the are people um, is it gonna transpire? What I hear in my head is that really gonna transpire to when I the mm-hmm. product is done. So that creates definitely some um, yeah, little bit of uh, anxiety. Um, talking about grants, learning to deal with mm. rejection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you spend like at least ten hour and you don't even make it through the first phase and you get a big rejected and sometimes they write comments on there and it's it's constructive but, but it still stings it can it can stain pretty yeah. much when they're you're a songwriter and they're almost saying well you're not a good songwriter <laughs> or if yeah. you're a painter and they say you're good but you're not a good painter um, yeah. they don't say it like that but that's certainly how most sensitive artists like <laughs> how it feels, take, yeah. takes it so that was another um another thing I have I'm learning to experience and like most artists you can use that to fuel you because Mm -hmm, for sure I still believe in this album again not in the sense of becoming famous but in the sense of being proud of it my peers appreciating Mm -hmm. appreciating it some the local Calgary scene Mm -hmm. appreciating it and um, you know waiting for that uh, I told you so moment that well, I send you two little sample, but I told you what I was going to do with them. But you looks like you judge me just based on those little samples. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not criticizing the grand process. These people are they read probably like hundreds of <laughs> music, and- hundred of music, and they have yeah. to make choices. But um, it was still a very uh, interesting experience artistically to learn more about myself, also mm-hmm. from the anxiety standpoint of how to present yourself and so speaking of that did you develop like a a, like a process you go through before you go do a show like to deal with anxiety because i know for for myself and others that i that i know we usually have some sort of pre-game process right because of anxiety yeah so like one of the things i do is i i just breathe right like i just stop and breathe and i i make it okay that even if i fail it's okay yeah right uh to me a Again, from a project management side of things, uh, because that's my job from nine to five, but mm. also artistically, I think of things a lot like projects. Mm-hmm. Even if I do a little show, um, usually 
very much over prepared. Sometimes yeah. musicians were surprised that I show up and I have all a little binder for them and the songs are highlighted and their cues and mm-hmm. the, you know, you come in at 620 and you come in at 635 too. Everything is very, very well organized. Mm-hmm. We know things never go as planned. You show up there and they don't have the amp or something like that. So yeah. here goes your little plan of what time people are going to be rehearsing. So to me, preparing is preparing is important um from the performance side of things forgetting their lyrics is always a big thing Mm -hmm. um i tend to have more problems with mine than other people's song i don't know why i think it (laughs) i think it might be because i change them so often and i one year ago it was one word now it's another word so it's not something that i've been singing for 10 years, mm-hmm. like a Pink Floyd song or a Leonard Cohen song. So there's always anxiety about the lyrics. But again, as uh, as you find out that people are not there to listen to a rendition of what the album is for. Yeah. People are there to just have a good time, hear something live. Mm-hmm. And quite often these uh, mistakes, these bloopers or these forgetting words or tripping in the cable on stage, that's that's what people probably remember the most when <laughs> they see somebody uh, yeah. that is not like a famous person. So I've learned to manage mm-hmm. that. And that's not, my anxiety is not so much driven. I don't really have the stage fright side of things. Mm-hmm. To me, it's anxiety is more on the, you know, when there's peers, when there's uh judgment of the Mm -hmm. of the uh other uh of your peers and other artists and that's always a little uh brings a little bit more uh yeah a bit more anxiety for for sure when it's people you know right yeah people you know when people that are talented or people Mm -hmm. that um um that you view as talented and you know you always want to um you always compare yourself to somebody at some point meaning mm-hmm. oh i like what this guy's doing in calgary and it's interesting now he has a band and all that and it's used that as a model mm-hmm. and then when some of these people that you that help you at the beginning that mentor you there's always a little bit of pressure not pressure but some anxiety from my side to uh well you didn't waste your time when you play a year mm-hmm. with me like even some people that play with me at the beginning and maybe not so much now there's still that sense that you know, it's, you didn't waste your time. You know, mm-hmm. I went and I did something with the songs that we yeah. worked together on. Right on. So I, what I, one of the things I think is really cool is that instead of buying a house, you, you put an album together. Yeah. Right. I think like one of the cool things about that man is that there's a lot of people, myself included, that will oftentimes think, well, no, I can't spend the money there. Right. I have to spend it here. Yeah. So I have to spend it on my home or car or whatever. Right. Instead of doing it like you did. Yeah. And doing something that you love. Like how much, how, how much has that impacted your life by making that decision? Well, the biggest impact is probably the people that you meet, um, connections you make. uh, Sorry, go ahead. and, And also realizing again that it's not. Yes, there's something magical about it, but mm. it's just about doing it. And 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 there's a bit of that when in my grant writing process and how to when I'm describing myself, I'm very big on just doing it. Like mm-hmm. I don't 
a lot of people that have my guitar skill or my voice probably would say, I'm not ready. I need to take more classes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, the hell with that. I'm, this is not me saying, listen, I can sing a very nice C sharp over B. And I'm saying that I don't even know what that means because I don't read music. So I don't even know <laughs> yeah. if that makes sense, but I'm just saying I have words. My voice is tolerable. And that's not what this exercise is. Mm -hmm. That's not what uh, this exercise is about. So it's, you need that sense a little bit of mm -hmm. who cares, who cares. Yeah, right? you just got to do it. It's not like I have a, uh, a producing a, a music company who uh, have expectation of me mm -hmm. because they've invested all this, all this money. Yeah. But yeah, when it's your own money, you still, you know, uh, there was the sense of um, taking it seriously. Yeah. You know, someday if I wasn't feeling too hot or I was feeling a little down or I wasn't really feeling it at all, um, it, there's a sense, you need that sense of um, of duty that, mm -hmm. you know, um, now it's not the time to say it, you're not feeling it. Just yeah. just do it and um, we can not feel it later. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So do you find that, um, so one of the things I re recognize with people is when they start doing what they love to do, so whether it be art, music, whatever, yeah. like painting, whatever, they start to feel better in like every area of their life. Yes. Have you noticed like how that doing something that you love is impacting the rest of your life in a positive way or? Yeah, I think it's impacted it again in that sense. It, the trickle down effect for me has been mm -hmm. not being afraid to do things because this is yeah. project wise, but might be some, one of the biggest thing I'll do in my life. So if I take other projects that are smaller or less expensive mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's trickling down in that aspect of having them in who cares if it's not good who cares if yeah. nobody likes it it's to me it's not even i'm not when you talk about oh what people love to do mm -hmm. it, it i i don't identify myself in that group because i wouldn't say that i'm doing it because i love it because mm -hmm. again some I the whole time we were recording the album, I think I might have touched the guitar three, four times at mm -hmm. home. So it's not like something. Uh, I don't want to say I don't love doing it, but I'm just saying to me, it's more a sense of duty. I have these songs. I know I can do it. I have the people. Mm -hmm. I don't have any reason not to do it. Yeah, not to do it. And uh, after right. the album, I might move on to another form of art, or I might. Mm -hmm decide that this is that was so cool that we're gonna gear get ready for a second album i'm not really thinking that far but oh, okay. the trickle down effect for me in my life is more yeah. like you said the sense of you want to do something yeah just just do it yeah because that, that's it though there's something about that when people just do it right yeah like there's something to those people when they just say i'm just gonna do this yeah like, i know it could be a total disaster but i'm yeah. gonna do it anyway yeah just whether it's for love or duty or what, like you said, yeah. um, kind of duty to self, right? Yeah, like, because none of those albums that people would consider classic, while they were written, those people didn't think they were writing a classic album. They yeah. probably had the same anxiety, the same, you know, oh, I'm not sure about that song, or I could have done that better, mm -hmm. or if only I had more money, and that's a big thing, if only I had more money, I could hire more, I could take more of my time, mm -hmm. and then... They became classic maybe because of those um, struggles, limitation and struggles. Yeah. And that yeah. some wise people in my life have kind of pointed that out that um, 
if someone was to write me a check for a hundred grand to do an album that I'm not, that money doesn't come from me, maybe the, I wouldn't have that fire of, mm -hmm. holy crap, I have all these people and I only have that budget and I need to make it work. And there's that sense, when there's mm -hmm. that sense of struggle, um, even some some people would say that uh, you can't do good art without struggle. Yeah. Not to say that if you're a millionaire and you have talent, you can be a good artist. But generally speaking, mm -hmm. uh, you look at the great artists of any generation and quite usually it comes from struggle or they die poor or they... Some sort of pain, right? Chop your ear off yeah. or you know, all these stories that we, yeah. that we know, uh, whether it's you know, mental illness, which is very kind of seem common in the mm -hmm. uh, common denominator of a lot of good artists. <laughs> yeah. So all, all sort of struggles that mm -hmm. lead to something that is more uh, created out of necessity as opposed to, yes, you can have talent drawing, but uh, nobody wants to see a painting of a perfect face. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not what art is. It's yeah. if you have the talent, that kind of talent and something else, great. But we know we, there's some people out there that um, have great, skills artistic mm -hmm. skills it doesn't make them artists and yeah. there are people who can do anything meaning they can sing they cannot write they cannot draw but you know these people in your life they're artists you yeah. just identify them as artists you said yeah. that person's an artist and you might say well they maybe don't have the vehicle to and that's kind of a little bit how i see my work mm -hmm. i use a guitar and a voice because that's kind of what i have handy around if i'd be a better uh a better uh, painter maybe i would have done painting instead of mm. songwriting yeah yeah it's interesting when you say that about struggle because one of my favorite authors he used to always say it he's been dead a long time but he used to always say that he couldn't write on a full stomach like he had to be <laughs> yeah. hungry right yeah. like he and that hunger was like and I'm sure other authors have said that, I'm sure. But I just remember in one of his books, he wrote that. Yeah. He says, I write shit when I'm full. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like it's garbage. And when, yeah. he's, when he's hungry and starving yeah. is when he does the best work. Yeah. Or did the best work, I yeah. should say. Yeah. I Which think, I find is fascinating. Yeah. And probably the same could be said with the anxiety of, you know, yeah. always having the fear of it. It kind of drives you in a mm -hmm. way. I've learned with therapy and and in certain situations to make anxiety your friend because it can push you to do yeah. things that other people would not. Other people might have said, ah, that's good enough. Yeah. And I'm like, no, what if it's there? Let's do three more just yeah. in case. And then the yeah. third one is the magical one. So yeah. like most um, what people could call defects or um, things that could go against you, like anxiety, mm -hmm. is sometimes if you learn to control it, it can certainly be a driving force. Because Absolutely. I know that if I would not have anxiety, I would never start writing because like most teenager, you start writing in journals and you start writing poems mm -hmm. and it's usually about anxiety stuff from school or yeah. love or anguish or fear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, later in life, you learn to, that there's other thing that you can write about other than your own misery yeah. but i think if you, you open can write a, about other people's misery yeah too. exactly <laughs> you can still their misery <laughs> but i think if you take any journal from mm. uh, 14 15 years old there's typically more misery in there than uh, yeah. 
my day was awesome and all that. And I cannot, I wish school would even be an extra year. Like it's, you don't see a lot of that. <laughs> I wish we had 12 hour days in yeah, school. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, struggle definitely. It's an important factor. And I think everybody, um, if people feels, and I felt like that sometimes that my life was too good. That's mm -hmm. why for a short period of time, maybe for two months, I'm like, well, nothing's going on. And, you know, the uh, relationship-wise or job-wise or friendship-wise, everything seems to be quiet and then you don't feel inspired. But uh, if you sit down and you dig a little deeper, you can always find mm -hmm. struggle. You can always realize, yeah, it looks good, but there's this one thing that is still... yeah. It's still there. I'm still struggling with this, or I'm still mm. anxious about, you know, uh, being a certain age and not having achieved some goals, something like mm. that. And that can certainly get the juice yeah. flowing again if you take a little deeper. But mm. of course, like when this, when the struggle is right in your face, it's a little easier to take a pen and write about it mm. as it occurs. But um, I also like sometimes to write from events or things that happen to me that are that is a little detached. Yeah. As I allow you to see things a little bit more objectively and um, maybe it can, it, it can be presented in a way that it's a little more, uh, uh, I don't want to say too emo or too sappy, but you know, if you're writing something right after a breakup mm -hmm. or two hours later, I, I don't know if any good sound can come out of that some people yeah. might say yes but maybe a week later when you still got the blues and all that but that initial stuff you might i might go back in there and pick a couple of lines mm -hmm. when i've done that but typically for myself i need to be a little more detached well in order to see the whole circumstance right like yes. in order to see from beginning to end it's kind of like if you're right about it in the middle that's great yeah because that's the middle yeah but you gotta you gotta be aware that's the middle yeah and, and of course if i you right after uh I write a song after for uh, regarding a breakup on the mm -hmm. day it occurs chances are it's going to be about everything the other person has done wrong and how terrible they are yeah, yeah how <laughs> terrible they are and how they're going to be missing out and all that so yeah. i think then when you write with uh like the song easy was mm -hmm. a little bit written like that and i write about about beauty and you know positive thing about this person mm -hmm. also some difficulties and some uh, challenges kind of in the lyrics are in there. But I think if that would have been written the day of, it probably would have been like... Was that about your 16-year relationship? Was it connected no, to that? No, no, that was... Uh, Easy was a song that was written uh, probably four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, probably 80% from some event, a certain event. Most of... I can't think of any song on top of my head. I might be wrong. That is top to bottom, like a story. Ah, I got you. I might have four lines about a certain relationship, mm -hmm. um, let's say. And then I get to the chorus and I just think about something that happened in another relationship and it goes well with the song. That's usually how my uh, writing process um, mm -hmm. goes. Or it might start talking about... There's a song called, I have a song called Montreal and it talks a little bit about my youth, but then it moves on to more relationship and then it moves on to more for the love I have for the city of Montreal. Mm. So it wasn't written with like a beginning to end kind of story. They're yeah. just 
there's a topic, there's a common denominator, which is Montreal. But one part of the song is about some, some me growing up there. The other part is about some relationship that occur in the scene, mm. start in the scene of Montreal, occur mm-hmm. in the scene of Montreal. And then the part of the song is just me talking about the city of Montreal like she was my lover. So again, it's not this happened to me and then two weeks later it happened to me. It's, yeah. it's a little bit of a mishmash. Yeah. Cool. Right Everybody on, is man. different, but that's a little bit, typically that's what my writing process is. Yeah. Cool. What time are we at there, Darcy? 43. 43? Okay. Um, I just like to keep us, make sure you're not here too long. Keep you, uh, so, okay, I had lost a thought there. I had to ask him the time. And <laughs> that's what happens when you get old and you drank way too much. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think about the process that you go through um, in terms of not just the music, but like, so you, you said you had a partner now. Yeah. Right. And so does that, how does your life, I can't even imagine being with someone for 16 years. Right. So obviously my inability to have a long-term relationship is what's fueling this question. <laughs> like, well, how do you even feel after you get out of a 16 year relationship? Like, seriously, I don't, uh, I would definitely turn into an emo poet after something like yeah, that. I mean, yeah. The, although at the time, as it was occurring, because it was kind of a gradual kind of, it didn't happen like overnight, it's mm-hmm. over, it was dragged on over a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't writing a lot in the, that period of my life, so that I didn't really capture that as it was happening. But mm-hmm. definitely there was a bit of writing a few months later pertaining, yeah. uh, pertaining to that. But I think how do people come out of it? I think it's... Um, I, I, I don't think it's, there's a standard answer for that for, mm-hmm. I'm just going to speak for myself. Um, no animosity. It was, you know, you say, Oh, everybody says that, but mm-hmm. in this case, it's a true story. Obviously there's a bit, some, there's a bit of anger, feeling of, of betrayal and all that. But as far as it was more, it was more anger about the situation. Mm-hmm. Like now I'm, it's all your, the plans you make in your life or mm-hmm. with the assumption that you're going to do that together. Now you have to start again. Mm-hmm. I was 21, 22 when I got married. So pretty much I don't know anything else. Yeah, it's a long time. Uh, internet didn't really, <laughs> was just starting. Yeah. So now you, you transition from my last time I had to court somebody. It was more like a high school kind of situation, passing mm-hmm. notes and... And now I have to deal with the tender of the world. And I'm like, I, you were aware of it, but when you're in a relationship like that, it's, you're kind it's of in joke. your own bubble and yeah. you yeah. don't really aware. And then you're like, people do what? <laughs> what? And then friends give you advice and how yeah. to, how to date and stuff like that. So how to, to me, swipe. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, I would say that the biggest challenge was not so much the handing of the relationship as how am I going to deal with this new world that I'm facing? I had some very, um, and that has changed. I've changed quite a bit. I have adapted quite a bit, but I had some pretty, uh, borderline naive, still, um, very classical romantic kind of ideals, which, Mm -hmm. which, can be executed. Well, I'm not saying that uh, if you're romantic, it, you're you you can be you can find what you want Doomed. in this life, but uh, it just needs to be manifested in different 
yeah. ways, manifesting different ways. So to me, the biggest transition was more, I, I would not even say that going from being married to dating was more just being out there, mm-hmm. just, you know, when you're single, the, some in, interactions yeah. change, you're, you're not sure what's going on, you think you, you, you're incomplete. It's, it's really like I was frozen from for 16 years. Yeah. I'm just and then you wake up and, and it's, it's a different world. And you're again, basically a 21 year old teenager. Right? Yeah. Because at 21, we're teenagers. Yeah. I still almost kind of thought that uh, if you kissed a girl, she was your girlfriend. So <laughs> yeah. I was in this situation yeah. at 38 years old where I went on a date and we went on a few dates and I started seeing this person semi-seriously and I referred to her as my girlfriend to a friend and she's like, she's your girlfriend now? I'm like, well, we've been on X amount of date and we hang out two, three times a week. So like, did you ask her? I'm like, you have to ask? <laughs> like this kind of stuff. So yeah. that was a big, yeah. it was, I literally asked. I didn't even know that you have to ask now and you have to this whole thing about making it formal and yeah. and 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 um, deciding to be exclusive and all that that didn't exist in the late eighties. Well, you that's because it's much more. Much you just more made important. out with someone, and she was your <laughs> she was your girl, your yeah. boy, or whichever yeah. orientation you uh, whichever orientation you are. So that was definitely a. Mm. Um, it was frustrating because you're you think you know what's going on. So it's not like I was living in a cave, but. In, for that aspect, I definitely yeah was as you describe as you were talking about it. Honestly, I'm thinking about what was I doing between 21 and 37. Well, I was probably fine after 30 ish when I sobered up, but I I couldn't have expected to be like the same person. Yeah, right. Like yeah. I mean, that's a that's quite a shift in personality. Yeah, right? and there's um, you know, there's no regret from my part. Of course, there's mm-hmm. some. Maybe the regret could have been, maybe it could have been a little shorter because maybe at, after, I, I would have been ready for an exit. Both of us would have been ready for an exit to move on to mm-hmm. other things. Um, but as far as what this person, with that, the person I am obviously today is a big, she had a big contribution mm-hmm. on that. Um, and again, that's, it's not something it's not something i regret like i said it's i'm not like i've never been one of those person i'm like oh if i could have everything i missed in my 20s and i could have <laughs> dated all these people and party mm-hmm. that that part of that probably would not have been been in me uh single or yeah. not i'm just not that kind of that's not just my scene well i think sometimes people think that just because something ends it had to have been bad yeah, no, right? no, it wasn't. That's not the way it is. No, right? it was definitely not in retrospect. Um, there were some elements missing because sure. then it would have lasted forever. Yeah. But um, there was no bad events. Mm-hmm. There was no, um, you know, it was just a, deci- it was just a, a decision, mm-hmm. a decision that um, maybe we've um, we've did all that we could with this. Yeah. Uh, Right now, when I talk about relationship, I always talk about relationship like a third person. You have this person, mm. this person, and this other thing in the middle, which is the relationship. Mm. So it's like you, you're breaking up not with the person, you're breaking up with that bubble in the yeah. middle. This is what you're letting go. Yeah. And when you're dealing with two, um, or six, two great human beings, I shouldn't call myself a great human beings, but two decent human <laughs> beings, yeah. 
Um, everything was very amicable and all that. Right Once on. we were, you know, it took a couple of months to get past the initial, for sure. Um, the initial uh, shock mm-hmm. it was more like a shock. I could see that. And yeah. even though it's done, even though uh, it's done um, amicably and it's a mutual decision, I don't believe in in full mutuality. I don't know if that yeah. would be to say it. There's always one person more than another that hints that yeah. they yeah. want out. And then the other person's like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's time to. Mm. So there's always a little bit of... Um, a little bit of lag on one person. A little bit of lag. A little yeah. bit of lag of how things should be done and yeah. who should move out and who should stay in the house and mm-hmm. where we're going to... When what are we gonna sell? What are we gonna keep and all that stuff. Yeah. But uh, overall, I wouldn't say that it. I wouldn't say that it damaged me. I think there was uh, pro. I can't think of anything negative. To Probably say. built you up to be who you are, right? Yeah. So. Well, certainly, uh, certainly, yeah. and uh, also becoming single again, and um, not that not that everything has to revolve on relationship, but yeah. relationship certainly triggers some things and finding out about For who sure. you are, and you finally you realize that you've you know um, the parts that I was not tapping into, like my artistry is is one of them. Mm-hmm. I was playing a little bit of music and all that, but from there to I would never have identified as an artist and I've never given myself this title, giving myself the the permission to give myself this title until mm-hmm. people started to say, oh yeah, I have a friend, he's an artist. I'm like, oh, I guess mm-hmm. I'm an artist now. <laughs> you are an artist. <laughs> I guess I am. So. Yeah. So, and thank you for sharing some your story, a bit of your story oh, with us tonight. Thank you very much. When does your album come out? The album is coming out September 20th. 20th? Uh, the party. And of course, if you follow me on mostly Instagram is the one that I use the most, even the talent, a little bit of Facebook, but mostly Instagram. Uh, we'll have all the information there. It's going to be at the uh, beautiful festival hall in Inglewood. Okay. Um, so tickets are already on sale on my website okay. for $10. What's your website? Website is eventhetalent.com, all in one word. Okay. So that's all there. And, uh, I think I was mentioning earlier off air that, um, or on air, um, that I will tonight, if you look at my Instagram, Facebook website, I am releasing, um, uh, easy as, uh, the first single for that album right on and so instagram is eve's even the talent as well right? yes okay even the so talent even the talent on instagram yep right on man and we'll we'll add all the links on to your on, onto the episode awesome well. yeah awesome cool man thanks again for thank coming. you thank right you for having on, me eve. you're welcome okay thank you for tuning in this week to the voices in recovery podcast please stay tuned every wednesday as we air another episode thank you for your time And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedoms Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.